Yeah, it's your boy Ray Ray on the mic. Let's go. Mic check, mic check. Welcome to On the Mic with Ray White, where we share life lessons, encourage self-reflection, and equip you to take action. My name is Ray White, and I am juiced that you're taking the time to listen to this episode today. And this episode is another fire interview. Yes. Super excited to have on a friend, cheerleading coach, and educator, Amanda Asp on the mic. Super juiced about this. She's going to share quite a bit about her background as a dancer and cheerleading and how all that shapes into the way that she teaches the next generation of leaders. She talks a lot about her lessons of teamwork, what what it looks like to be practiced with precision, and how to empower just the students that she teaches to achieve success. I, I, I'm i just excited about it. I consider her a transformational leader in the work that she does with the Salem-Kaiser School District and just fascinated by how she's equipping the next generation of leaders to shape the culture and their environments and communities. So I encourage you to listen to this episode, take some notes, and let, uh, let me know specifically what connections you found in this interview too that can be applied to your life. Please be sure to follow me at Ray Devante, that's R-A-Y-D-E-V-A-N-T-E on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and also the On The Mic With Ray White podcast at OTM Podcast, follow there. I'll make sure to put Amanda Ask social links in the show notes as well so you can follow her too and let her know some of the work, what you appreciate about her in this interview. And I am not going to wait any more longer. So let's go ahead and dive into this episode titled... Building Student Leaders, featuring Amanda Asp. Share it with others and let me know what you think. Uh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of On the Mic with Ray White. I am super excited to have another special guest with us. Uh, she is a great friend of mine and a great friend of her family. Actually, I, to be honest with you, she's uh, through my wife. That's how we become friends. But uh, still, nonetheless, uh, excited to have Amanda Asp on the show. Amanda, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, as as some of the folks that will be listening to this in real time, we are in the quarantine season. So uh, trying to figure out life at home all day, 24-7 can be really hard and daunting. But I appreciate just connections like this opportunities to talk to people talk to adults <laughs> yeah and uh and uh figure out life out but yeah how I, I, just a quick sidebar how is quarantine life going for you uh so far it's not too bad so it's spring break right now and I'm a teacher so I would be doing this anyway mm. but knowing that my spring break is like not extended but I'm gonna be home for the next four weeks still <laughs> it's pretty weird I have been trying and staying home like you being told to stay home yeah. is the weirdest part. Like usually I'm seeing my family and out and about doing things and there's nothing to do. Like outside workouts and hanging out with my cats and my dog. <laughs> no. Yeah, uh that yeah, being told to stay home. I think that's what kind of cheers me up a little bit. It's like, I don't don't tell me what to do, but Yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> it's kind of so I'm all for it. I'm like, let's stop the spread of this virus. I'm supporting it, but it's super weird. Definitely. Yes, yes. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so busy. Podcast. Uh, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about your uh, quick bio about you. You mentioned you're your teacher. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the 
some of like what you do, uh, where you're from, college you went to, just a quick bio about yourself. Well, I grew up in Gresham. I went to Centennial High School and um, in Centennial, um, well, I guess even further back, I started dancing when I was four. Oh, okay. Started dancing when I was four. I danced for 14 years um, and then went to Centennial High School. I joined the cheerleading squad and was on um, leadership there. Then I went to Western Oregon University, uh, graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Education with a focus in social studies and um, ESOL. Mm-hmm. And then uh, went back home, did my, I did my student teaching at Centennial. I did long-term sub jobs there. Thought I was going to get hired up there. Didn't. Uh, then I got hired in Salem. But at that exact same time, I had started dating my now fiance, Jeez. Scott. And so it all kind of worked out. And I got hired at Parrish Middle School as a seventh and eighth grade social studies teacher. And then these last two years, I have been uh doing leadership as well so it's all going on the right path yeah there it is did you think because I definitely want to talk we're going to talk about a bit about your dance and the cheer Mm -hmm. that you've done there Uh, as you stated you're a teacher in middle school did you ever think like was that something that you desired as a profession growing up saying yeah I want to be a teacher one day especially in middle school like how did you decide that you wanted to be a teacher so I don't know if I ever decided I wanted to be a teacher. Huh. Um, I remember being in elementary school. I have a, I have a super weird, like vivid memory. Um, oh. My best friend makes fun of me because she'll text me and be like, hey, I met this person or I saw this person and we, they said we went to school together. I'd be like, oh yeah, it's that person. Duh. And she makes fun of me for that. But anyway, um, I remember being in elementary school and my teacher would do things. And I remember literally taking mental notes saying, oh, when I'm a teacher, I'm not going to do that. Or when I'm a teacher, I'm going to do it this way. And I would write things down or I would just remember it. And then middle school, I was like, man, this is so much better than elementary school. When I'm a middle school teacher, I'm going to do this. And then I got to high school and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. When I'm a high school teacher, I will be teaching this subject and I'm going to do it this way. And there was never a question if I wasn't going to, I was going to be a teacher or not be a teacher. And, and then I didn't really realize that I had the opportunity, like the option until I was thinking about college and what my career was going to be when I was in high school. And I kind of thought about doing other things. Like I, I like art and I make things creative. So I thought about maybe being an interior designer for like a month. Um, But, And then I was like, nah, I'm just going to be a teacher. Mm. And my mom works in the school system. Um, she's an instructional assistant, but she teaches reading. So okay. she does a lot of like group um, teaching reading and stuff. So she's been in the schools forever. Um, so I, I just never decided to be a teacher. It was more like, okay, well, well what am I going to teach when I become a teacher? Mm. So, Interesting. Yeah. That's a cool perspective though, seeing... And for you to have that insight at that age to be like, oh, no, I when I come when I take that role, I will do things differently or do things mm-hmm. that way. Um, that's such so, that's so insightful uh, to kind of have that perspective. Now, middle school. I hear a lot of things about middle school. I try to reflect on my middle school time and it was interesting. But I often hear that middle schoolers are just a squirrely bunch of kids and very hard to teach. But this is where you are. So tell me, yeah. a little, like, what is it like being a middle school teacher? I, 
didn't know I wanted to be a middle school teacher at first until I did my student teaching in middle school. Um, they're funny. <laughs> they're they're hilarious. And they think I'm funny. Oh, good. <laughs> so we're all win-win for yeah. Um I I think that I like middle school because they're they're open-minded and they're willing to just try new things and be super weird and crazy and they're curious. Whereas I feel like a lot of times um, high schoolers are a little bit more not know-it-all, but they just feel like they've got it. They feel like they've got it down and they know what they're doing when in reality they don't. Mm -hmm. um, whereas middle schoolers, they know they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And so it's just, it's fun. I mean, they're squirrely and they act like they know everything too, but I can put them in their place and they're like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. Um, it's tough sometimes. It's really tough. Uh, individually, as classes, years, some years are more tough than others. Uh, it never gets easier. Okay. Um, it just depends on like the curriculum. Like our curriculum changed this year. So I've been creating new things and teaching new kids. Mm. Um, where So it's kind of like my first year of teaching again. Whereas in previous years, the, some of the kids were simple and I was doing the same things. And so we got to have a lot of fun together, but it's every day is different. Like I love my job, but there's not a lot of consistency. <laughs> <laughs> um, I try to create as much consistency, consistency as I can in my classroom with routines and everything. But I mean, we have a wide range of conversations and a lot of my lessons are based on what they already know and their background. And I kind of let them teach each other and teach me because that's what's going to keep them engaged rather than me telling them this, 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 and this, because then it's just going to go over their head and they're not going to retain the information. And kind of what's cool about social studies is because I get to take them down that path and really make things relatable rather than saying like I don't think I could ever be an English teacher because you you tell them how to write and then you tell them what to write and then they have to write yeah yeah I would imagine that a lot of your creativity needs to be infused like your personality and your creativity needs to be infused into the lessons curriculums as well as understanding like what's gonna be comprehensible for a middle schooler you know? yeah <laughs> somebody who's oh, yeah. brand new to all of this and, you know, it's the next stage of their education and um, can be very challenging, but also uh, fun as well, especially kind of seeing what clicks for some kids and how do they retain that and sustain that information. Um, no, it's pretty great. So uh, I do want to, I do want to touch on some of the extracurriculars and, and kind of in the teaching realm. And just recently, I, I want to say again, on the mic, thank you uh, for the opportunity to speak to your, students uh, to your leadership class. Uh, and I, I mentioned it a little bit in, a, in another episode, but just how awesome it was just to be a part of that experience. So thank you for that. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. How did you like, want to help like, talk a little bit about that leadership class? And how did you become the teacher to help facilitate that uh, opportunity and experience for those kids? A lot of it comes from my experiences. So um, I was in leadership one year in middle school and then all four years in high school. And um, that was by far my favorite thing I did in high school. Um, so coming into a middle school where 
I didn't know the culture. I didn't know the routines. I didn't, they didn't have a lot of traditions and stuff. I felt like I needed to kind of instill that within our school. Um, the teacher who was the leadership teacher did a really great job, but she did a lot of the work for them. Mm-hmm. And these kids are so capable and so creative that I was like, no, 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 no. So when I took over, I was like, you guys are in charge. What do you want to do? What changes do you want to make? Like, how can we get our school involved? And so I work more as the facilitator for the kids and kind of give them the tools to be successful. And we, we reflect a lot, um, but they're so smart and so creative that I just kind of give them uh, what they need to be successful and let them run with it. And it breaks my heart that we're in this quarantine right now because they had these really amazing projects coming up in April that we don't get to do anymore. So it, I hope we can come back in May because there's so many things that they look forward to that they haven't been able to do yet, that there's kids who are finally stepping up and taking charge that are, you know, aching to, to make that difference in their school. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about some of the projects or things that really surprised you. I don't want to say surprise, like you mm-hmm. can't do it because what I hear is that you are a teacher who is, uh, empowering your students to be successful mm-hmm. with the tools and the skills that they have. Um, and so through that ability to teach or that philosophy in teaching, what are some of the things that you've seen the kids do that really put you in awe? Like, like, wow, I can't believe they've done that for themselves in the school. Um, I'll start with our canned food drive. So we do canned food drive in like, we start planning and like late October, November, and then implement it in December. And uh, last year, being my first year as a leadership teacher, I really wasn't sure what these kids were capable of. And um, we pick committee chairs. So the kids volunteer and then they vote and they decide who they think would be the best person for the job. And I kind of tell them like, okay, these are the things that this chair is going to have to do. These are the responsibilities they're going to have to have. They're going to have to have interpersonal skills. They're going to have to have a no-nonsense personality where they can't be afraid to tell people what to do and be organized. And so um, the kids, they pick, they, the past two years, they picked really awesome kids to take on uh, this canned food drive. Uh, and last year's goal was 2,000 pounds. So we collect cans and we collect money. Mm-hmm. And we say that a uh, dollar is about six to seven pounds. So we just calculate it to six. Um, our goal is 2,000 pounds. We beat that in the first two days. Wow. Yeah. And it's two weeks long. Wow. Um, then uh, our, so we, then we upped our goal and we put it to 5,000 pounds and they beat that. We ended up with 10,000 or 8,000 pounds last year. Yeah. Uh, this year's goal was, uh, 10,000 pounds and they beat that. That's awesome. And, um, what they, what they do is they, uh, they make like a thermometer Mm -hmm. to hang up in the school and at each level, uh, different things happen. Uh, and so like we had one teacher who had really long curly hair and he said he was going to, uh, he'd be willing to cut it in front of the whole school if we'd reached a certain amount. Mm -hmm. And we did. And we had an assembly where I cut his hair in front of the whole school um, that we donated. And so uh, just things like that, seeing them be successful and um, watching them like really fight for it. Um, when they surprise me, it's things like they, they're all assigned to classrooms and 
they come back and they're like, we gave the speech, like they're not required to go to the classrooms and give speeches. We gave the speech, we told them they need to step up their game. We got them fired up, they were clapping and cheering and um, just watching these kids who at the beginning of the year, they don't really know each other that well. Uh, they are, a lot of them are shy. Mm-hmm. Um, they've never been put in a role like this before where they have like some ownership and some leadership. Uh, they have this, the skills, but they don't have the experience. So to watch them go out and do these things on their own and, and start stepping it up and really watching things unfold and getting excited about it is, is the coolest part of my job That's is cool. watching them be successful. Yeah. No, that's really cool. I, yeah, I'm just trying to think like as a middle schooler rallying up a whole classroom, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's pretty awesome. Just the, yeah. that, the transformation that you've seen, especially in the short time, because I imagine that, uh, you know, it's only within months that you are engaging with these kids on the regular mm-hmm. basis. And now in this context of leadership, you know, you have a goal and a mission and you are encouraging them to step into that and say, you can do it for this cause and goal. You know, I hear a lot of selflessness. I hear a lot of encouragement and empowerment that you're offering to the kids. And that's awesome to see that transformation. And I agree. It's a bummer that we're in the season now because you can see momentum fully deteriorate because you're not together. You're not connected. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and a quick sidebar, are you doing anything to kind of connect them still? Or are you kind of still waiting for one spring break ends to see kind of what happens in April and see, okay, how can you still keep the energy alive for that, for those kids? Yeah, so we have the school, whole school system has this app where we can send text messages to kids and parents. Um, We can get it, we can do it on our computers, we can do it on our phones. And it's a legal way for us to text our kids, kind of. So I texted them and I was like, right after we found out that it was extended, I was like, hey guys, I'm so sorry to hear that I won't be seeing you. I miss you. I hope you're doing well. Uh, Keep a lookout for me to post things on Google Classroom. I'm trying to collect um, articles like inspirational articles about leaders um, I've tried to look for leaders like who are women uh, people of color people from different countries people who are young like them who they can read about and kind of reflect um, I'm kind of waiting to see what the district wants us to do but I have plans in place um, I I really hope that we don't get the rest of the school year canceled because there's so many things that are like really important and impactful that I do for them and that we do together at the end of the year. So I'm hoping we can still do some of those things. Um, but yeah, I'm going to probably have them do some kind of like reflection projects after they read the articles, um, maybe develop some kind of plan for when they get back, have them brainstorm. So they're just actively thinking and wanting to engage. Um, I'll probably have them tell me about like what they've done around the house, how they help their parents, what they've done for their community, just because I'm constantly trying to instill in them that they can make the positive changes um, from simple things like helping around the house to helping their neighbors or helping their community and doing all the things. I know we're not supposed to encourage them to get out and about, but I know that these kids are, are the ones who are going to want to go out there and do the things and make the changes and help out. So We'll see how it goes. Man. Well, yeah, obviously, best case scenario, we get back and we're back in the swing of things, you know, new mm-hmm. normal, their new season. But it's awesome to hear that you are prepared uh, for still continuing and being encouraging in that space. So that's awesome. Um, I do want to switch gears a little bit, you, and talk about cheerleading. So yeah. I want to put it out there that, you know, as 
a former athlete. I know a little bit about cheerleading, uh, more so from the peripherals, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, the fact that is that, you know, this is part of your story and part of your life and how impactful cheering has been for you. And so I'm really ex excited to hear just the experiences you have had as a cheerleader and is coaching other cheerleaders and just kind of walk through with me more particularly and even audience members as well, just what it's like uh, in that space or in that culture. So how did you get involved with cheering? So I, I danced mm -hmm. and um, when I was in fifth, sixth grade, um, I started being an assistant dance teacher to help pay for my dance classes because I was dancing like four or five okay, days a week. Fifth and sixth grade? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's, that's all when all of that kind of started. So um, I, I found that I was skilled at breaking things down. I mean, when I was in fifth and sixth grade, I was helping out the, you know, four and five-year-olds. Um, and at that exact same time, I started um, dancing with girls who were in high school mm -hmm. and graduating high school because wow. I'm a tall girl and uh, I could what it started out as is that I could fit into one of the girls' costumes and they needed me for competition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then um, my dance teacher saw that I, that I could really fit in with the older girls is more of like a mature dancer, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and so by the time I was in eighth grade, I, most of my friends had kind of graduated. The people I was dancing with over those years, in eighth grade, I was dancing five days a week and I was in 12 dance is wow. for my recital yeah wow. it was very very intense um so I wanted to try something new and I had always admired cheerleaders I thought it looked really fun um so I joined cheerleading uh, and I cheered in high school um we started doing competitive I was a competitive dancer since second grade um right. so then we started competitive cheerleading I was like this is my thing like, I got this we're on um and so I did competitive cheerleading as a junior and senior um with my high school cheerleading squad um then I actually made Western Oregon's cheerleading squad, which they were just sideline cheerleaders. They didn't weren't competitive, but I got to definitely build my skills. And um, and then when I was in my student teaching, I started helping coach at Centennial. And that's when I really started coaching. Um, I was a volunteer assistant at first and then eventually became the JV head coach. And we ended up uh, winning uh, first in state my first year full head coaching at as the JV coach. And um, it was hard. I was actually working at Parish Middle School in Salem and coaching at Centennial High School in Gresham. You make it mute. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. Um, it was hard, but it was worth it. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm kind of a no nonsense teacher slash coach. Uh, what I always tell all of them, I was like, we work hard to play hard. And like, I am all about the fun, but when we're there, it's business. And I, learn ways to kind of like cheerleading is such a um, misunderstood sport mm -hmm. and a lot of a lot of what people see it's just the the sideline stuff right at football games basketball games and really that's practice for us interesting we, we call it practice like that's not we don't they try hard but it's that's not what we what we prepare for and we, we prepare for competition okay um competition season doesn't really start we don't compete until January. We compete in January and February. There's some competitions in December, but most teams are not ready by then because um, a competition routine is uh, two minutes and 30 seconds long. 
and you have to have uh you're judged on jumps Mm -hmm. tumbling stunting um building skills which is like pyramids where people are connected okay uh dancing cheering your voice overall impression trans like formation changes Mm -hmm. uh there's a lot of different areas on this score sheet and so it's a really complex two minutes and 30 seconds and that's cheerleading that's the cheerleading that i coach that's where my passion lies and it comes from the fact that i was a competitive dancer yeah um so what what people compare us to like movies yeah bring it on is the the one that everybody talks about Um, bring it on is is slightly accurate okay um there's not as much like head budding as in bring it on as in in the real world drama yeah it's competitive um when i was coaching for a while uh i we were a co-ed large team so it means we had uh three or more boys we actually had six boys on our team Mm -hmm. and there were other and we were an up-and-comer like these boys were the first like never cheered before in their life some of them quit football to do cheerleading because they were getting they weren't getting as much playing time in football and they found that they were valued on the cheer team and they really liked it and stunting is addicting okay it's it's a such an adrenaline rush and uh it takes a lot of skill a lot of muscle and a lot of control and once you get going it's it's fun and so it's what it was is stunting and tumbling so these boys boys can get tumbling super fast so yeah. we had these boys who were busting out flips on the first day of practice when our girls are we had been working on it for years <laughs> um but it was cool to have these people with these skills and they're the boys were strong they were most of these boys were juniors and seniors by when they joined the team and uh so all of a sudden we have six boys on our team who are good there are schools from across oregon who have had boys for years and years and years and all of a sudden centennials there and there was a drama yeah <laughs> so it, it got definitely got a little bring it on over social media which is kind of funny uh but we were we were showing up to competitions and people were like where did centennial come from because we'd always been we had been all girl for so long right so uh while bring it on is very exaggerated it, it's i mean it's a thing where you have these routines that you go out there and you put it all on the mat and blood and sweat and tears definitely goes into all of that God. um but what's really cool is that there's this netflix show called cheer oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and that team is amazing and they have really high skills, but it is a very, very accurate depiction of what our practices are like. It's like, we don't, we don't go to practice, especially during competition season and practice cheer. Mm-hmm. Like we don't practice cheer leading and doing all the motions and stuff. They're tumbling and they're conditioning and they're, we're breaking down the dances. And that's where I, that I choreographed our dance this last year. Um, so breaking down every little tiny motion and things and um, stunting. Yeah. Stunting well. is definitely the hardest like group part of it okay and um there's twisting and flipping and one-legged stuff and switching legs and all of those things that go into cheerleading and mm-hmm. i wish that we had more advertisement of the the actual sport part of it the competition part because like you said what most people see is the stuff on the sidelines where that's that's just practice for us yeah well it's fascinating that you know appreciate you even going into depth with that because yes that breaks down my misconception of 
what I see, what I used to see during the games, as well as Bring It On, because Bring It On came up when came mm-hmm. growing up. So I'm like, okay, yep. cool. Um, I do remember ESPN often putting on various competitions and showcasing oh, yeah. that. Uh, and watched a little bit of that too and kind of saw the amount of work and preparation and formations and everything that goes mm-hmm. into that work. And it's, it's quite a bit. Um, when you were when you were in cheer and being on the cheerleading team, um, like how, how prevalent are those competitions in this area? You mentioned that there's a lot in this area, but did you do quite a bit of travel across the nation and kind of like various locations? Like what were some of the places that you went to uh, and gone to when you are when you were a cheerleader um when I was a cheerleader so we didn't start doing competitive cheer until my junior year because my coach didn't have experience so we brought in another coach that did and she was awesome and she was super competitive and we had a lot of fun um a lot of the major competitions are in the Portland area Okay. There's com- there's competitive schools all over Oregon, but they're so spread out because of the Portland metro area that everybody goes there anyway. And so we didn't have to travel much. But when I started coaching, mm-hmm. we um, went to nationals that year with those boys, with the group, with that with that team that had the six boys and got to go to Disneyland and everything. It was really fun. And it was definitely a new experience. And they worked their butts off to get there and how we had a fundraise. A fundraising is a huge part of it because cheerleading is super underfunded. Okay. We get like no funding from the schools. Um, and so we had, we have to fundraise everything because cheerleading doesn't bring in money to the school, like, you know, football or basketball would. Um, right, right. So, so there's a lot of fundraising and a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but then since I've been coaching at, at North, it seems like we travel more. Um, I coached at North two years ago, uh, assistant coaching, but then they got a new coach right after that. And we didn't, I didn't know her and then actually ran into her at the end of their last season. It was like, Hey, I want to help you if you want help. And she was super, super like grateful for me. And that's how I got cut into coaching at North this year. Okay. Um, but they only have one paid coach. And so it was just her and there's three of us who volunteered and I put a lot of time and energy into it and I don't do it to get paid, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like we have four coaches and one coach is being paid and we're working our butts off and practicing every day where there's other teams that have, you know, three or four paid coaches or more. Right. That's hard. That's hard. I want to hear, you know, just about that Disneyland experience. So mm-hmm. able to go to competitions like that, because I'd imagine you know, I'm trying to reflect on uh, various championships or competitions in, in other areas and like mm-hmm. feeling and rush to be a part of that. So I'm really interested to hear from that regard. So um, at like state and national competitions, okay. uh, it's intense. You, whether you're staying at a hotel or you're just taking your bus uh, up to the competition, um, you get there, we set everything up. They have a little bit of time to relax. And then, um, there's timed warm-ups. So this last year, we we got there a couple hours early, got to hang out, got to watch some other teams. There's some really good teams in Oregon, so it's really impressive. And um, I find that the the sport is, I mean, it's cheerleading. They're all really encouraging. It's not super peppy, as people might seem, but we definitely walk around and are like, good luck, good job, because like, you want to see other teams do well. Because you want, especially the teams who are super good, the ones that you see doing well every year, like you want to see them hit. That's what we, that's what we call it is hitting it when you 
don't drop anything or you don't touch down or do anything like that. Um, so you want to see the teams hit and we get deductions for things and you want to see them get zero deductions. Um, and so it's a very encouraging atmosphere, but also like secretly competitive, like competitive, like you want to, you have this team that you want to beat because you've been, you know, going back and forth between first and second for so long. Um, yeah. And, and so then uh, it's also a sport where it's based on looks. Mm. So they have to get ready and put mm. their bow in their hair and stuff. And um, a lot of the time people like, we like that. It's mm. fun to get competition ready and, and dance. It was the same way. Um, and then we go up to the mat. Uh, we usually warm up our, our bodies on the side and stretch and stuff before. And then this year we had nine minutes to go on the mat, do as much as we could in those nine minutes, we could do whatever we wanted. Mm. Um, there's technical, uh, not judges, but people who say like, Hey, watch out. Like if they do this, then they can get a deduction. If they do this, they can get a deduction, watch that hand, look at that placement, be careful with this. So that's kind of nice. And then after those nine minutes, you're done, you go out and you're on deck and yeah. then go out on the mat and do everything you can for two minutes and 30 seconds after you're either crying because you're so proud of what you did or crying because wow that was not very good oh my god everybody so, cries after oh yeah it's tears for days yeah oh so the two minutes and 30 seconds that's literally mm-hmm. it like yeah. you're you're preparing you're practicing for just that short window of time mm-hmm. and that will then help so you know whether you're successful or unfortunately you don't get the championship and that yeah. that's wild and so you, all the practicing, the tumbling, the stunts, and everything are really like for those small windows of time. Two minutes and thirty seconds. Gosh. Yep. That is, uh, yeah, I got my heart jumping right now. I'm just like, mm-hmm. dang, I guess that's pretty quick. <laughs> the adrenaline, it's yeah. definitely there. Yeah. So when you talk about, because I'm trying to think, like in two minutes thirty seconds, like that's not a long time, Mm-mm. and you're trying to fit quite a few things. Like, how do you? How do you know what to put into that time? Like, is it like you have certain formations, like a certain number of formations or a certain number of choreographed routines or what have you? Like, how do you design a two minute and 30 second stunt or yeah. two 30 second uh, showing? How would, yeah, a routine. Yeah, routine, thank you. Um, so a lot of teams hire choreographers. Okay. Um, but a lot of those teams hire choreographers knowing what needs to be put in routine anyway. Um, on the score sheet, you get judged on standing tumbling. So they have to have a standing tumbling section. So standing back handsprings or standing back tucks, uh, if you have them. Uh, and then there's a running tumbling section. So you have to have running and cross tumbling. Um, you have to have, in order to get the score for the high skill. So like if you have uh, a team of 12, mm-hmm. And uh, six of those people have a skill. You have to have you have to have fifty percent of the team doing that skill to get the score for that. Okay. So if you have um, if you want to get a higher score, you want to do back tucks or layouts or folds, which is where you run and just spin pretty much. Um, and um, you have to have at least six of them if you have a team of twelve on the mat um, a lot of the bigger teams have 20 to 25 people and mm-hmm. so you have to have 10 or more people doing the skill so it's really competitive in that sense and and it doesn't have to be six different people 
it oh. can be it can be one person doing it six different times All the jumps. so sometimes you see like poor kids running around this, the mat like doing the same skill over and over again to try to get the max score oh wow um okay. then there's um then there's stunts um we call them elites it's where you do your individual stunt group so in a stunt group there's a flyer the girl in the air there's a back base that's what i was um person in the back mm-hmm. they have to usually be the tallest because they have to reach the ankle um mm-hmm. and then there's bases one for each foot okay and some groups have a front base some don't you don't have to have a front base but the front base is extra support um and so there's a stunt section where you have to do your highest skills and they're choreographed and everybody's doing the same thing because you have to have majority doing all the same thing um, that do that. So you have to have a section for doing your high skills. Um, and then there's pyramids and that's where the stunts are all touching and they flip the girls and they switch feet and people move all around. It's, mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yeah. And they change height. Like some will go up, some will go down, some will flip, some will turn. And, um, and then there's a section where you do do a cheer. Okay. It is cheerleading. They yeah. do a cheer. Um, and the cheer is supposed to have like crowd involvement. So there's a lot of signs and pom-poms and flags and things involved in those. Um, and a dance. Okay. And so choreographing the routine, you have to put all those things in in two minutes and 30 seconds, including transitions from one thing to another. Yeah. Um, so like in our routine, we start with opening motions and standing tumbling because standing tumbling is hard to just go from standing to just do a skill. That makes sense. Um, and then we go into our like individual stunts and then they went and did one pyramid. Then they did the cheer. Um, there's jumps in there too. There's a jump section. Mm-hmm. So they did jumps and then the cheer. And then they go into running tumbling, cross tumbling, cross the mat. It's where you do like your highest skills pretty much. And then another pyramid. (laughs) And uh, then they do the dance at the end. Because while the dance is hard, it's not the easiest, but it's the easiest thing to just go all out at the very end, use the last bit of your energy where nobody else is really relying on you to use the energy. That's smart. Okay. And then they end with the dance. Usually most teams end with the dance at the end. So, And you can put them in whatever order you want. So it yeah. doesn't have to be that order. That's just the way our routine went down. But in two minutes and 30 seconds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I, I hear a lot of, the, obviously, the strategy. So you just laid out like, hey, here's mm-hmm. the strategic. We know we got to hit these marks. Here's how we're going to strategically approach that. And, oh, yeah. and the specifics, obviously, that go into that. But then the precision that it takes to make sure that you are hitting it. So it's one thing to know okay, I got to make sure I hit the dance at this point or do this mm-hmm. at this point. But it's another thing to say, make sure you hit it right away, hit it well so that you can get the highest mark on that. Um, it's, it's so much teamwork and yeah. so much team building and a lot of trust. Yes. And that's one of the biggest things that we have to work on is that like you can't bring your outside stressors. You can't bring any grudges you hold against each other onto the mat because if one thing goes wrong, it all goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Especially when there's people in the air and people getting hurt. And yeah. 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 You can't play it's, around with that. Mm-mm. It's really intense. And yeah. we have had practices with lots of tears, people yelling at each other, screaming at each other. <laughs> it, it, they break down and it's, it's hard because at the school I currently coach at, like a lot of these kids bring a lot of their outside lives into practice and they don't have wonderful lives 
And so they have all these outside stressors and they're a family. Like this, yeah. the cheer team's a family because of so, so much that goes into it because it's not, it's not an individual sport at all. Right. They rely on each other so much. And so we've definitely had to have some hard talks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. You have to be able to be on the same page mm-hmm. uh, in practice, in the competition, literally, because yes, like you want to win, but also you don't want anybody to get hurt and you want to ensure that you are collectively moving forward in that regard. That's, that's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about just some of the parallels between cheerleading and teaching. So what are some like the two to three things that you, that you are drawing from being involved in the cheerleading world as a, as a, a cheerleader yourself, as well as a coach? Um, and how are you transitioning some of those concepts into the way that you teach, uh, and especially the teaching the students in your leadership classes? It's a good question. Um, I feel like I am a better coach because I am a teacher. Um, working with kids and knowing how kids think uh, is step number one. Mm. Um, trying to understand how to break things down, whether I'm talking about the Civil War and why things happened or a stunt and cheerleading and why it didn't work. Um, in cheerleading, people put blame on each other a lot mm. for why things don't work. In, in, in school, it's not necessarily the same, but in leadership, it can be. Because if, like in cheerleading, there's the top girl. There's the girl on top who's the one everybody looks at. And so people want to blame that person. In leadership, there's usually a chair for a committee. And if things don't go right, you you think it's the chair's fault, just like with the top girl. But it's being able to look at all parts, like the spokes of a wheel. Yeah. And being able to look at all parts of that and realize that this will not happen without everybody working together, without everybody doing their part, without everybody carrying their weight, mm-hmm. because it's not a, it's not a one person job. Um, and in, in teaching, there's aspects of that, but a lot of like common education is an individual, individual sport. Mm-hmm. Um, in my classroom, uh, we'll do things like have a, like a discussion. There's a strategy called a Socratic seminar where I actually sit back and I don't do anything. And uh, they have uh, prompts and questions and all these things are like picked out and evidence picked out already. And they go and have a discussion and they're kind of allowed to take it whichever way they go. We usually identify a facilitator. And so the facilitator can make sure that everybody's in the conversation. But I tell them, look, the goal is to get everybody to be a part of the conversation. The goal is not for you to talk the most. Mm. Um, I usually set like an overall goal to speak once or speak twice. And so I keep tallies when they're talking of how many times they've talked. And so I can kind of give them hints like, Hey, you've talked five times. Like, let's see if one of these other people has something to say. And then they realize like they're not being graded on their, the amount of times they speak, but they're being graded on their ability to engage in a conversation with a group. Yeah, And I think that translates and we talk after the discussion, like we talk about how that translates into real life because you're not going to be doing a job where you do everything on your own, most likely. Right. Right. And same, it relates back to cheerleading, like they're a team where every single person has to do their part or things don't work out. And there's a lot of parallels and I've kind of 
tried to bounce off of that. And I will, in my classroom, I'll be like, hey, in cheerleading, and I give a lot of analogies. Mm-hmm. And I use cheerleading a lot because it's what I do. Yeah, like I, in cheerleading, if this person doesn't do their job, then we're not going to be successful. Well, in this classroom, if this person doesn't do this, like, we're not going to be successful. And I'll do the same thing for cheerleading. It's just easier to, to put analogies into my classroom. Mm-hmm. And in cheerleading, I mean, I coach the way I teach. Okay. And uh, like I said, I'm no nonsense. I'll be like, if you're going to talk, then I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to coach you right now. Right. And, and they, they respect me. And the other, uh, the head coach is a, is a teacher too. And mm-hmm. so her and I like bounce off each other and balance each other out really well. She's, she's way nicer than me. <laughs> she's, hey. she's like more of a kinder heart, but she's only a second year teacher. Whereas me, I'm like, nah, just be quiet. <laughs> No, that's good. That's good. I think that I what I hear off it from this is that the drawing from the experiences that you have gone through really helps in bringing out concepts that can be uh, shared and translated into various areas of life. And especially mm-hmm. because you are so involved in engaging into the next generation, literally, uh, in the classroom and in the cheer, you're able to say, hey, you know, not from a an, a an a boasting or ego sense, but yeah, I have the credibility and I understand, uh, and I want to help draw that within you to show that what can you learn from your experience today that can help in another context or help somebody else uh, as as we live out through life. And so I know you mentioned early on that one of the tactics you do in your classrooms is reflections, and I think that's that's really a powerful a really powerful motive just to really think about what have I gone through and what I learned from that. But then with the Socratic Socratic seminars, as well as the discussions and just the teamwork mentality that you have in all those spaces, being able to say, okay, well, how does this compare or relate to other people? And how do we make, how does it help all of us become better, not just myself or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is. So um, yeah, appreciate you stepping into that. And the no nonsense that you bring to it. <laughs> That's definitely needed. Um, yeah. So as we, as we draw to a close, uh, I want to take a look at the future. Uh, one of the questions I have here is essentially what does the future look like for you uh, as a teacher and as a, a cheerleading coach? Like what does that look like on your end? <laughs> well, um, the head chair coaching position at North is open. Okay. Um, it's a really weird, uncertain time right now, especially if we don't we don't know we hundred percent what we're going to back to school. Um, so I haven't decided if I'm going to take that on. The group of us want to stay involved, but the head coach is moving, so right. she can't do it physically. Um, so I want to stay involved. I could take over. I'd kind of rather not mm-hmm. because it is a lot of. I like the coaching part. I like to show up. I like to coach. I like to be with the kids. I like to do all that, but all of the stuff with the schools and bookkeeping, because <laughs> we buy our uniforms. Yeah. Like we buy everything and there's not a lot of support from the district. There's not a lot of support from the schools funding wise. Um, there's only one coach that's paid. And so while there's a really good core group of us who want to continue to be involved in the sport at the school at North, mm-hmm. it's, it's very up in the air, but mm-hmm. no matter what, I'm going to continue to support these kids. Uh, they're a really good group. Um, and they did really well this year. And only, there's only two seniors. So only two of this core group are leaving. And there's some really 
um, awesome kids who are on the JV team who could easily step into those positions next year. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a bright future for them if we can get uh, get something in place. We're hoping that maybe we'll get a second paid coach, and then that might help alleviate some of the the pressure from the head coach right. if I decide to take that on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as teaching goes, um, with leadership, I mean, I only want to go up from here. Mm-hmm. We're we're really working on like, and I say we because it's not me. <laughs> It's me and these kids, no matter what group it is. And there's a really promising looking group coming up next year. Um, just putting more systems in place. Um, trying to build the, the school and classroom community. Really getting other people involved and being able to make Parish um, lose its stigma. It kind of grew into having a, a bad reputation mm-hmm. because of the location and the population. and we do our best to fight that. Um, they, we do our best to give back mm-hmm. and um, really just trying to create more systems. And my hope is that as I continue to, to teach leadership, um, eventually I don't do very much. And that's not because I want to be lazy. It's because I want to put a lot of the responsibility on the kids. And I don't do that much now, but um, I want to try to develop systems where they have to seek out the job description, not me tell them. Right. And I want to get them to take initiative and be ready and build this um, reputation for leadership. That this is a group of people who know what they're doing and they have these goals and these these steps in mind that they want to take and that that other kids look up to them. And they already do. Like yeah. these kids right now are super amazing. And um, what I love is that they come from all walks of life. They are not the popular kids. They're not the smartest kids. They're not the kids with the best grades. Well, grades and attendance and things like that do come into uh, into consideration when I choose the leadership group. I choose a group of kids who have the heart, mm. who want to be the leaders, who are ready to step in. Um, there's one girl in the class who, at the beginning of the year, she kept she kept asking me, "Can I do this? Can I do that?" I'm like, "Yes, just do it. Like, you don't have to ask me." And she eventually was like. I've never had somebody tell me to do what I want to do. I've been told what to do my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like teachers, I'm so used to teachers telling me exactly what to do. And that's that's not that's not what we do in in our leadership. Yeah. Like if you want something to be done, go go do it, get yeah. it done. Gosh, that's yeah. such an empowering thing to do, especially at such a young age, because it it you can easily fall into that of just waiting for somebody to tell you what where to move how to move how to react and respond but the earlier mm-hmm. if you were engaging folks and say no you have a mind of your own uh here are some tools to help you work through that but more more specifically you have the ability to make the decision or to take action or take the initiative what have you and you being that voice to encourage them to say yep you can do it and i believe you can do it too mm-hmm. and you're seeing the fruit from that is just remarkable with you have these kids who are banging on doors for getting cans, <laughs> you know, or stepping in and, and seeing the culture and the dynamic of parish change and more mm-hmm. importantly, their community and themselves change. So uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I am inspired by your teacher <laughs> teaching. I'm inspired by your, your philosophy and the way that you approach the work and the students, both in cheer and in leadership. Um, the last question I have before we wrap this up essentially is what if parting advice do you have? So um, whether it is for the 
next generation leader or to somebody who is looking to get into cheerleading or even just like somebody who is a, a teacher or a coach or wanting to step into that space? What advice would you give um, to those people, to those individuals? For kids, um, one of the biggest things I tell them is be exactly who you want to be. Um, in this age of social media, there's so many pressures to be what other people want you to be. But I tell them, like, look, leaders are not born being the same as everybody else. Like, you cannot just fall under the same umbrella as everybody else and come out on top. That's not how it works in today's day and age. Like, you have to be the change that you want to see. You have to be unique and be yourself and don't let other people uh, tell you how you should be because then that's not how change is going to happen. Um, as far as teachers go um it's hard um it takes a lot out of you and you take on a lot of the um stress and the pressure that the kids have in their lives inside and outside of school and it's kind of a roller coaster all the time there's really really good days where I absolutely love what I'm doing and I could never imagine myself doing anything else. And then there are days where I'm like, how am I going to wake up and do this again tomorrow? Um, But it's worth it. And right now I miss teaching. Mm. Like I wish I was going back next week, but I know that I'm not. And so it's hard and I'm, I'm ready to interact with these kids again. And um, I'm ready to give them the tools to be successful. It's just finding this new way of doing it. It's going to be very, very interesting. And it takes away the interpersonal aspect. I'm trying to find ways where I can still like be myself through text. Yeah. Or do I start recording myself talking to them (laughs) and teaching them (laughs) like watch this video of me talking to you. (laughs) Um, We'll see what, we'll see what the school district wants us to do, but I'm definitely going to do everything I can to still be there for them. Mm -hmm. And the ones who want to learn are going to keep learning. And It'll be kind of, it'll be kind of fun. It'll be kind of fun and interesting. It's a different, different way of doing things, but I think it's going to take us on a path to be more technologically aware. Mm-hmm. And now they, now we know who has technology at home and who can do stuff at home. Yeah. And um, I think it'll be, I think it'll be good. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. The challenge is definitely going to be there in yeah. a lot of ways, but. I would imagine the creativity to still be engaging and still Mm -hmm. connect is what it's gonna we're gonna see some uh, new things come out of this and new ways of learning and new ways of teaching too that we will have to consider uh, moving forward but uh, I again I can't continue to sing your praises but just this is (laughs) awesome uh, the work that you've been doing and continue to do Uh, again I appreciate you coming onto the mic and sharing your experience and cheering and in and as the leader at the school uh, do you have anything you want to shout out or anything you want to plug from a social perspective? People get a hold of you, learn more about you, learn about the work. If if anybody wants to reach out, I'm there. Um, I'm I'm not one to boast about myself. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely have a lot of ideas and I'm there to support people and I want to reach out and I have a lot of experience with teaching through technology. Like I've done a lot of the Google classrooms and the Google forums and all of those kinds of things. There's a lot of 
cool and interesting ways to do things. Mm. So you could tag me in all of this stuff and people can reach out to me because I'm, I love helping people and I love sharing. I'm not somebody who's like, I created this. I'm going to keep it for myself. I'm like, I created this. I put my hard work into this. Take it, please use it, make it, make it worth my time, make it worth my while. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I'll definitely tag your uh, Instagram in the show notes and, uh, and on the social as well. So people can be like, yeah, I want to reach out and learn more about teaching, learn more about tech leadership, cheerleading. Yeah dancing literally anything and everything anything <laughs> yeah, that's awesome so amanda again thank you so much for being on the mic uh, really appreciate you taking the time and we'll talk soon yeah thanks for having me thanks so much for listening to on the mic with ray white and before you leave i got a few ask for you first Connect with me on social media and let me know what your thoughts are on this episode. You can find me on my personal page at Ray Devante on all social accounts and this podcast at OTM podcast on Instagram. Next, subscribe, rate and review the podcast on your favorite listening device. Make sure that you go ahead and find on the mic with Ray White on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and make sure that you let me know that you're listening. And finally, share this episode with a friend. Take the time to send them a link or tag them on your social media platforms and start the conversation around them, around the reflective topics and the questions on this episode. Thanks so much. And don't forget to share your story with others. Peace.